This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 525 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, February 22nd. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, the hot stove is finally keeping us warm. How you doing? Well, I, I need the hot stove to keep me warm because I am really, really sick. I, I feel okay. like I've taken over Eno's role completely now. <laughs> well, for same, similar reasons, too. Children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, usually, usually it's his kid getting him sick. You also have a kid. Um, so unfortunately you are, you are under the weather. Meanwhile, the weather has turned horrible here in Austin. Um, it was starting to heat up. I call it the, there's always a trick week. Mm-hmm. I re- I've referenced it on the pod before where it looks like, Hey, we're in the clear. We are moving towards spring and then winter comes back for one more and just craps all over the place. That is this week. Uh, it was starting to get nice. We were in the seventies talking like still keeping high 60s overnight i'm taking charlotte out wearing just a hoodie which you know for me obviously i'm always wearing some sort of jacket regardless of what it's like and i'm like yes we're, we're close spring training's about to start and then whammo the other night i took her out the wind was blowing like crazy i knew a cold front was coming in basically holding her like a kite at that point when the wind gets too too crazy and uh, yeah, so here we are. Awful weather. You're sick, but again, the hot stove keeping us going. I believe this is the first episode of the. Uh, we'll call it the 2018 season. So we'll we'll go back to November and say that that's the start of the 2018 uh, season, so to speak, for the for the podcast. I think this is the first episode that is entirely moves related because we have enough to cover, and I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, it's absolutely insane that it's taken us this long to get some of these big names signed, but it feels like uh, the floodgates have finally opened, and we're now yes. uh, getting to you know, talk about all these big names, and hopefully by the time we get together next week, we'll have a couple more crossed off, because there's what, only like three or four more big names really yeah. to be signed. So a couple more biggies, and um, of course tomorrow, uh, tomorrow everything really kicks off. Today there's a lot of those college games where teams are, are getting going against some college games. But then tomorrow we get game versus game, or, or team versus team. MLB uh, spring training really kicks off. It'll be on MLB Network, and I'm excited. I always get excited for the first little while, and, and it, it quickly dissipates, to be quite honest. like I'll, I'll be watching games tomorrow. I'll go ahead and carve some time out, sit in front of the TV and actually watch them, and then they'll become background noise pretty quickly. But uh, just to have them back 
will be amazing. And uh, we can taste it, Jay. I mean, we're so close to the season finally coming, and I'm so, so, so excited. So let's talk some baseball. And we'll start with Eric Hosmer. I think the J.D. Martinez move is a little bit bigger, but we got two Boston moves, so we'll pair them together, and we'll just start with Hosmer. Again, don't don't really get into terms too much because it's really not – pertinent to the fantasy landscape but just for the sake of it i will mention 8144 uh for the padres signing eric hosmer and i'll say as somebody who's never really been a big eric hosmer guy i thought that was all right i, I really thought the padres did didn't do too badly on that one especially when you consider the way they set it up uh which is basically what is it five one ten uh, and then a potential opt-out and you know even if he doesn't opt out, if something goes horribly wrong and you get him for 339 the rest of the way, it's not really going to be too bad. Um, so I, I, I didn't think it was all that bad as far as eight-year deals go. Eight years is always tough. Over 100 mil is always tough. But you are getting a guy who is at least on the right side of 30 and um, you know has been a, a consistently solid bat despite some – some 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 variance. I, I guess that doesn't make sense to say consistently and then and then acknowledge variance. But uh, you know, a, a quality bat, and even though we can't quantify it, he is he is a leader. He really is. I know he's got uh, douche bro tendencies, but that plays in a clubhouse, man. Let's just be honest about it. So uh, I, I think it wasn't a really a terrible deal for San Diego. I do agree with the comps of Jason Worth to the Nats when it's a team that's on the rise announcing, hey, we're starting something, and here we go. We got our team leader. So what would you think of Eric Hosmer to San Diego? I mean, I don't mind it. It's, you know, Hosmer's not a fantasy player I tend to have a ton of shares in. I always thought there'd be yeah. a little bit more power, and it just – never really materialized and it's probably not going to materialize in San Diego. But I think people are kind of giving him a little bit of a raw deal. I saw people saying, oh, I'm going to drop him, you know, three or four spots in my first base ranks. Why? I I don't get why. I mean, it's not like Kaufman's a great stadium and it's not like if he had gone back to the Royals, he'd be in a better lineup than he's going to be now. Exactly. So, So, and the lineup wasn't that good last year. So I, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand at all. And, uh, what you don't get in KC that you will get in San Diego is road trips to Arizona and Colorado. So mm-hmm. if anything, I could make a case that maybe you bump him. Now I don't. I'm not. I'm not bumping him. I'm no. actually keeping him status quo for Eric Hosmer here. Um, I do think it's a, a, a pretty lateral move. But if you really want to get into the nitty gritty and and talk about every little uh, every little decimal here. I think you can make the case to 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 scooch him a little bit. Now, um, I have him right by his new teammate, Will Myers, and there are ramifications here that it will put Will Myers into the outfield, which defensively, if it was a video game and you could turn injuries off, he can handle mm-hmm. the outfield. I've got no question about that. Where the questions come in is can he get a buck fifty seven or a buck fifty five in the games played, which is what he's got in the last two years being a predominant first baseman so that does have me a little concerned just as i was starting to warm to the idea of getting will myers too so that's a little bit frustrating thankfully there's no uh league where i've or i've made that move but as we kind of get uh get closer to the nfbc main event my my partner and i we were talking some stuff about you know maybe hosmer's a good play with that speed that you get at first base and still pretty good power now I am a little bit concerned, and I think I'm moving him uh, back to the pack a little bit. Just for some clarity, I have Will Myers, Miguel Cabrera, and Eric Hosmer in a little trio there. And I 
I'm more in on Miguel Cabrera than most. I do think that he's with health, he's going to be just fine. I'm not too worried about outside of you know the team context. The Tigers aren't going to be that good. Um, and then I kind of had Myers there. He's almost on a, on his own little island in between, say Edwin and Canarcion, and then Cabrera Hosmer, who I have very very close. I think I got Myers closer to those two now as opposed to on that little island just because I do have a little bit of health concern and thus volume concern. What do you think of Myers getting moved to the outfield based on this uh, Hosmer move? Yeah, I think I'm higher on Myers than you. I I moved him up. I have him as my number seven uh, first baseman. I got him eight. So Maybe I'm just lower on Miggy because I have have Miggy at 12. I have Hosmer at 10. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I just the back man until I see him actually it's un- play. It's completely understandable. Um, in, in a week, I could be moving in a, him up four or five slots. It's impossible to not say that it's bias because it is bias because I have watched him and I and my my the bias is that I know that when he's healthy, he's still really good and and you know I try to be objective as I can about everything really, let alone just the Tigers. But uh, the bias, you, you can never be unbiased. Once you start watching baseball and having feelings and having emotions, uh, you, you can't. You just cannot. Even even your your takes on guys that aren't on your favorite team. We do not, we're never completely unbiased. It just doesn't happen. That's not the way the world works with this stuff in, in fantasy baseball. So I acknowledge that. And, um, but I, I still have him ninth because I do believe that an inner circle bat like this when healthy is just, is just too elite. And, um, I understand the injury concerns. I'm not going to bury him off of, off of one season though, even though backs, as we've talked about on this pod throughout the years are, are, concerning without a doubt but uh talk to me about Myers because you got him seventh I I can get behind that I still have Edwin there I'm favoring him a little bit but uh Myers what he's able to do with with 30 20 yeah. is so nice yeah and I'm, I'm a guy who tends to devalue batting average anyways so the batting okay. average issues you know aren't as big of a deal to me in the way I construct my teams typically uh, so I'll tend to tend to rank guys who maybe have a little bit more batting average risk, maybe higher than other people. But 58 home runs and 48 stolen bases over the last two years combined. I mean, so nice. that's just a ton of help in those catting categories. And I think last year was really fluky in the run support around him. So getting, you know, you got to bump him back up runs in RBIs, especially with adding Hosmer into the lineup. San Diego is going to be an interesting team offensively. Their pitching still is atrocious, but uh, they'll, they'll get help there eventually as guys start to come up from the minors. I just think that you know the the first base outfield eligibility is going to be great. Uh, it'd be nice for him to get that back. Uh, the lineup would be better around him. I mean, he's a, he's a legit thirty thirty threat, and I think we use that term a little bit too often in fantasy when there aren't really guys who can actually do that. But Will Myers has shown the ability to steal 28 bases la- or in 2016, hit 30 home runs last year in 2017. I mean, that is a lot of offense in one player. It really is. And, you know, they were a bottom 10 scoring runs per game uh, two years ago when he went 90 plus 90 plus on the context numbers. Last year, they completely cratered. Uh, as, as you mentioned, it, it was pretty, pretty big drop off there comparatively, despite not really the changes that 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 should have had such a change from from 16 to 17. So I think they're more apt to move up. Obviously, they can't go any further. They were dead last in runs per game last year. So I do think they'll go up. But uh, you know, they add Hosmer. 
I think uh, man, a full year Manny Margot, another one. Uh, even a guy like Chase Headley, just kind of a, a, a solid bat uh, added there, isn't too bad either. Hunter Renfro going to have for a full year. Uh, well, I don't Renfro think he... may not be on this roster. Oh, are they looking to move him? They've, there's talk about uh, potentially moving him. Um, and if you go over to Roster Resource, Roster Resource slotting him in the minors to start the year. Yeah, they they don't like him. They they're favoring Jose Perella. That's I'm going to have a little bit of a, a shift with them there. I, I don't necessarily agree. I, I'm with you there, but like San Diego has, or there's been rumors San Diego's looking to move him now. That is interesting, um, and even a move like Freddie Galvis. While Freddie Galvis is no, you know, game changer or anything, they had they were running Eric Ibar out there for a bunch last year, and I'd rather have Freddie Galvis. So, uh, and then they did they do have Perella. So even if he does, even if Perella doesn't start, he's going to be moving around as well. And so I know these names are not uh, getting everyone super excited, especially if you're a mixed leaguer. But my bottom line, and I think both of our bottom line, is that it's not going to be the the dead last runs per per game team that it was last year, especially because we. We haven't even mentioned guys that that could be coming up uh when you start talking about like a Luis Urias um you know Josh Naylor I, I think he's I don't know is how close is he I guess he's 20 well I mean he's blocked he's blocked now yeah too. he's super blocked too maybe they should trade him as well maybe they f- figure out a super deal you go Renfro Naylor for for something big there because maybe this, uh, yeah. maybe this is a team who could go after a Chris Archer you know they've got a ton in the minor leagues they have desperate need for pitching um, I haven't heard them link to him at all, but I mean that would be a guy I would be targeting if I'm uh, Preller. It's funny you mention that because one of my uh, one of my Twitter buddies who is a, a a big Padres fan was saying Renfro for Archer, and I had to throw that cold bucket of water on him and say you're gonna need to throw in a lot more. Yeah. but it could at least be a start. You could at least, but it's the deepest get- farm system in the game. Exactly. That's what I was saying. I was like, you're going to have to add an A prospect and probably another, uh, you know, B minus C prospect. But Renfro, it, it can be a starting point with a stud prospect, and then maybe another one or two decent prospects, and then you get Chris Archer, and that would be an amazing offseason for AJ Proer at that point. You get your team leader on offense and pitching, and I, you kind of do need one of each because they are, you know segregation is probably the wrong word but the but the two the two sides they can be it can be pitchers here and and hitters there it's not that they're not friends and they don't like each other it's just that it's different yeah they they, the the way it is with you know pitching every fifth day or being out in the bullpen versus being on the bench it is different and so uh, if they brought in an archer who's also a team leader type then you're talking about two guys that uh, are high impact team leaders to really bring in this this amazing farm system that they've got. So interesting stuff for the Padres. Again, I did not hate the move. Uh, even if he flops and, and doesn't opt out Hosmer, then you're talking 339 on the, on the last part of that deal. And that's just not too bad. So uh, as far as these giant deals go, they did all right. Let's move over to the next giant deal in Boston. It finally happened. J.D. Martinez to the Red Sox. You know, there was – this is another – this is Exhibit 5 trillion in, <laughs> in not uh, not getting too caught up in the in all the little rumor mongering of each little tidbit. I remember at one point on Roto World when I looked in uh, the sidebar there on the top stories, it was uh, J.D. Martinez is fed up with Boston. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know – Take that for what it's worth, because now he's out in Boston. So clearly, clearly he wasn't all that fed up. And now we're looking at uh, J.D. Martinez 
ready to be the, the primary DH in Boston. Uh, let's pair it with the uh, Eduardo Nunez moves because they made they made two moves here and, and really bolstered their offense. But the JD move is obviously much bigger. They were a good offense last year, but struggled for power. You know, they were, that was like one of the big things was like, this team does not hit home runs. Like, what the hell is going on? Because they have a lot of talent that could hit home runs, and it just wasn't happening. They were uh, fourth from the bottom, 168 homers, just three more than Atlanta, for crying out loud. Um, you know, fewer than the White Sox, who weren't a great team. They, they had some power, but they weren't a great team. Fewer than KC, for crying out loud. KC had almost 30 more than Boston. So Boston really struggled for power. Obviously, J.D. Martinez, boom, right off the top. You're talking about 30-plus homers. What do you think of J.D. Martinez uh, going to Boston as well as Eduardo Nunez jumping in there to take over second base until Pedroia comes back and then to become their their Ben Zobra's super utility? Well, I mean, I, I don't think this changes J.D. Martinez's value at all. I mean, he could hit on the moon. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. exactly. he's going to hit wherever he went. If he went back to Arizona, even with the humidor situation, which we'll we'll get to a little bit later, uh, I, I wouldn't have worried. You know, if he had if he had gone to any park, I wouldn't have worried. Uh, as long as he can stay healthy and being a full time DH will probably help him do that. Uh, so the American League is the best fit for him, and I think uh, I think he's going to be a you know, worthy of a high second round pick. And he's going in the mid to late second round in in most drafts I've been in this year. Uh, Love him. Eduardo Nunez, this is really interesting to me. Um, Because, you know, like you said, you got to wait for Pedroia to come back. But maybe this is a sign that they're not as confident in Pedroia's health. Um, And Pedroia has... Nor should they be. Yeah, exactly. He struggled with health issues uh, for for a long time now. So, um, you know... It's interesting. He's going to be batting ninth, and so he's obviously going to lose some plate appearances if he maybe had gone to a crappier team, uh, you know. But he'll still run, and he'll still be pretty valuable. And I think, um, you know, the price seems a little bit high for what I would normally go for. But I think he's got a fairly decent floor. Um, so I, I, I like Nunez. Yeah, Nunez has been really good the last couple of years too. So um, I agree. You know, you kind of look at the price, and you're thinking. Hey, that's a little bit higher than you would have thought, but uh, he's got two really good seasons, really good fantasy piece too, because he he does give you the really high upside for speed without dinging the power. He hit 16 and 12 homers in the last two years. The 12 came in 114 games last year, 40 and 24 stolen bases in those seasons respectively uh, as well. So uh, great moves for Boston, the re- really bolstering the offense here. Now you look at that lineup, one nine, and good luck if you're a pitcher trying to face it. I mean, you know. Your 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 weakest spot there is Christian Vasquez, and he's somebody who can still uh, you know get a knock off you too. He's, he's not going to be some power threat or anything like that, but he can definitely uh, hold his own. He hit 290 last year, so even that as as the easy spot is not going to be all that easy. It's just one of those guys. They they are quality everywhere, and they range from solid to elite uh, up and down that lineup. Love it for JD. Um, you know, he's going to be beating the hell out of that green monster going over it as well. 
Um, you know, the one thing is that he does have really good oppo power, and uh, some of it will be absorbed in that uh, in that right field in Fenway. It's not great. It's always been tough on left-handed power guys for their pull power. So he might lose some stuff there in terms of a couple homers, but maybe they fall in for doubles uh, and, and hit the gap that way. Maybe you know run into that little triangle there, and maybe we see JD Martinez get on his horse for some triples. Uh, <laughs> I agree with you on the DHPs. It's going to help him in terms of staying healthy. There is a 10% penalty, uh, a DH penalty offensively. That doesn't mean that it's going to hit, though. That's just the general, uh, you know, figure that you should put out there and kind of factor into somebody that's going to be a full-time DH. But I think he's got enough offense to overcome it. And if it keeps him healthy, that's been the biggest factor for J.D. Martinez since his breakout. He does not he has not stayed healthy. I mean, we're, we're looking at one season of over 123 games, uh, buck 58 back in 2015. So that penalty is probably going to be offset by games played just by being by staying healthy at DH. So I really like it for J.D. Martinez and Eduardo Nunez. Hated um, for Hanley Ramirez, though. That was my next point. Yeah. Hanley Ramirez now, uh, he's going to have to play first, and that's going to put him in peril to get hurt. I do think he's going to get the shot to be the, uh, to be the guy. By the way, Roster Resource accidentally lists Mitch Moreland here as a righty. I'll have to uh, reach out to Jason Martinez, tell him to fix that. But uh, I do think that you know, even though Moreland has the platoon advantage, they want to see if if Hanley can can do it because when Hanley's on, he's a great hitter. He he wasn't on last year, and injuries have been a, a problem for him for sure. And he's going into his age thirty four season, so I definitely don't think that you should go in expecting him to stay healthy. Uh, but I do think that they want to see what's what with him, and they're going to give him a chance to be the primary first baseman. Um, the only thing I'll I'll say about that is he thing. has yeah he's got a vesting option. I think it kicks in at about. I want to say it's 500 plate appearances. Yeah, 497, I think, is is the number. And that could be something that they, you know, finagle a little bit. And, and they do have pieces to kind of make it so. Here's the thing. The, the health might do it itself, yeah. unfortunately. And, and if I'm not rooting com- for that or anything. I'm just saying, like, it, it, it could be taken care of that way. And, it, I mean, if they're competing, they're going to put their best team out on the field. They're They're not one of these teams that cares that much about money at the end of the day. I mean, look what they just spent on J.D. Martinez. So, um, you know, if they if they think that Hanley gets them to the playoffs and, you know, wins that division, they'll keep him out there. But it's just something to monitor if you're seeing him get extra days off or, or mm-hmm. you know, sitting, you know, sitting against the, the, the you know, uh, against uh, or for the platoon with Moreland. I mean, they may try to finagle to make sure he doesn't get, that you know vesting option because I doubt they want to pay him twenty two million dollars next year, especially with all the free agents uh, that are going to be on the market next year. They want that money to go after one of the big dogs. Yeah, and if if, if Hanley's not hitting like he did in twenty sixteen when he put up a one twenty six OPS plus, and it's more of like last year when he was a ninety five, so j- just around or just below average, that they're gonna they're gonna find ways to. Uh, Make sure that that doesn't trigger there. He might end up with 491 plate appearances. Oh, Hanley, you were so close, dog, but thanks for the good season. See, yeah, we're not paying you 22 <laughs> mil. Uh, by the way, DH only this year, so that is go be, be careful of that when you're uh, at the draft table. I will say, though, by the time that he's going off the board, 
you could be filling your utility anyway. So it's not the same as, say, Nelson Cruz, which has people irked of, of investing in him because you do have to fill that utility in like the third or fifth round. Which, uh, which I, hate, I, hate, round. I hate that. The, I mean, I love that he gets a discount. Because of that, because I'll, I'll I'll take Nelson Cruz at that price all day. So I, I. like I I do not care if my fourth round pick is util only. You know, no, I don't either. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna freak out over it. It's a position, and yes, there it's nice to have flexibility like that. But figure it out, man. Like if you so desperately need the utility to be open late in a the draft, then. Uh, you're not flexible enough. Like I, I don't know. I just I I don't think that that should be a deterrent. Remember how many years it kept David David Ortiz at, uh, at just an amazing fantasy value. And so again, Hanley much much cheaper, different story altogether, but is going to be util only. And by the time we're taking pick three hundred, you're filling your utility anyway. So uh, that that wraps up Boston. Let's move on to the Rays tank, which by the way, <laughs> oh. amazing. They, Amazing timing. They have like they, the worst PR people in in the league, or or the ownership just doesn't talk to the PR team because that it's absolutely after, hilarious. After, by all accounts, a pretty tough weekend for them, where it really looked like they were just shedding payroll and and kind of uh, following suit with their with their Florida brethren. Uh, they came out with their new blog called the Ray Tank. And it was just so on the nose, hilarious. They had an interesting weekend. Started with a DFA uh, and trade. A DFA of Corey Dickerson and a trade for CJ Crone. Let's start there. We'll go piece by piece here because they've done a lot. And then they were dealt a big blow today, or potentially it's certainly looking bad. And we'll get to that in a moment. So it starts with DFA and uh, Corey Dickerson, who's owed about six mil next year. Now, uh, for those that are unaware, DFA basically just announcing. Uh, we're looking to trade him, and you can claim him. And you might get him for free. I, I believe I have these, the way these rules work. I think it's about ten days. Seven now. And, oh, seven now. Okay, so teams will claim him, and then based on those teams that that claim him, they can then talk for a trade. Uh, and the bottom line is, they could just say you can have him if they can't come to a deal, right? So because mm-hmm. if they, they pretty much give, not, it's pretty much a waiver claim if they don't come to a deal in the next yes. seven days. Because they're not gonna, they're not trying to send him down or take him out the forty man to still pay him. Because that's six mils guaranteed. This is not a non-tender. They're on the hook for that money if they don't move him somehow. So ideally, they're gonna get a trade done with somebody, or else they're just gonna let him go to to the team that claimed him. So Dickerson gone, CJ Crone in. You and I are both Dickerson homers. Um, I will acknowledge, you know. Literally dropped his OPS every single month last year. Got off to a great start. Ended up even being an all-star. But the second half was pitiful. 701, 699, 596, triple slash. Or excuse me, that that that's a, would be a weird triple slash. Those were his <laughs> OPS totals in the three months. Um, and so it was, you know, it was just sinking further and further down. Um, but, you know, for us in fantasy, we care about the bottom line. And the bottom line is he had a, a, a great first half and it was still a really good season. It is always a little bit more worrisome when it is just that straight decline. Is it something that portends to the future? And that's the concern. Uh, but what do you think of Dickerson being DFA'd and, and then to bring in CJ Crone? I, I don't get it. Like, I mean, from just from a real baseball sense, I I don't really get any of the moves they've made except for maybe one. Uh, it just it, it, none of this makes sense. Um, 
you know, and I mean, I think it's nice for CJ Crone's value because I think Crone was going to have a hard time finding uh, every day at bats, and he yeah. should get that now. And so, it I mean, he's like a helps, twenty-five yeah. home run bat in in uh, in Tampa. So, like, it's great for CJ Crone's value. I mean, and I'm assuming Dickerson will land somewhere. I mean, there's been talk about uh, the Braves. You know, there's. Uh, you know, plenty of teams that could use a guy at his price point, uh, and I, I think he'll be fine wherever he goes. I mean, I don't want to delve too much into the analysis on him until I, I know where he ends up, but, like, uh, I think he'd be fantastic with that short porch in Atlanta, so I'm, I'm really pulling for that, especially for all my keeper Ooh. shares. Yeah, um, that'd be really interesting. So, um, I yeah, I just don't get it from a, from a baseball sense. It seems like they're, like gutting the team and trading their entire offense from last year to save a couple pennies here when they're trying to get a stadium built. It, it just seems counterintuitive. But Funny thing is they they, they still got to pay a Danny Hetcheveria six mil. So if you, <laughs> you would figure if you're going to get rid of one of the six mil guys, why wouldn't it be him? Although, obviously, There's still Dickerson time. should have more appeal. And there is still time. But you would think Dickerson would have more appeal. So maybe it was just from a, a standpoint of, yes, we have two six mil guys, um, and one is markedly worse than the other. But uh, And that's why we're going to get rid of the better one, because we feel like we can move him. So I will give them a little bit of, uh, of leeway on that. But I really do like Corey Dickerson, and I, I was surprised by the fact that, uh, that he was DFA'd. Hey, we're jumping in here. Literally seconds after we hung up, I, I, I closed Skype. I jumped on Twitter, and the top message on my Twitter feed, like as fresh as possible, was that Corey Dickerson has landed. Uh, the Pirates acquire Corey Dickerson in exchange for Daniel Hudson and minor league infielder Tristan Gray, as well as some cash considerations. So uh, our, our eagle has landed. He's headed out to Pittsburgh. Not a great landing spot in terms of a, of a ballpark situation, um, or really from a um, from an overall situation because that means he has to play the field. So that's a little bit concerning for for Dickerson, who has had some injury issues, and again, as we talked about, isn't necessarily a great fielder. But as I'm looking at it right now on Stat Corner, left field homers, or excuse me, left-handed homers. Uh, is about equal to Tampa Bay, so maybe the park isn't as bad. Uh, but what do you think about Corey Dickerson going out to Pittsburgh? Yeah, I'm not too worried about the park. What I love is the lineup he's going to be hitting in. Yeah, that should be better than... Uh, by the way, weird thing here, and it's 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 someone I, I like. Oh, wait, wait, sorry, 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 sorry. Misread it, misread it. I thought, I thought it was a Pirates person that was saying damn it to the, uh, to the acquisition. It was actually a, a Braves fan that I follow um, who was obviously mad that his team didn't get Dickerson. Because I was like, why would, a, why would a Pirates fan be mad about this? This is a nice move. Oh, this move. is awesome. Um, okay, so yeah, they had Daniel Nava penciled in, and uh, he was penciled in to be batting second. If you just put Dickerson right in that same spot in between Josh Harrison and Starling Marte, I- hell yeah. I think you move Josh Bell up second. You put him second, and then Dickerson he, four. He's got he's got a little bit of better walk, and uh, Dickerson has better raw yeah. power. Mm-hmm. And, okay, but still, I mean, that's in between Starling Marte and Gregory Polanco. I'm in, I'm in for that as well. I love Polanco. I like so, Marte as well. Or so, even even yeah. if they move Polanco up to four and they put him five, like I I, I love the landing spot. Yeah, this definitely works. Uh, we are in on this. Again, the park stat corner says left-handed homers, which is the main thing we look at. Obviously, you got to look at uh, extra base hits, too. It's not just homers, but that's the one thing that you're really going to see the biggest movement on. But even looking at the other hit types, um, 
it's about a neutral move. So this is not really going to hurt him. In fact, the doubles and triples are actually helped. It's a uh, for lefties. It's a 95 factor in PNC. It's an 89 in, in Tropicana. So again, that's a marginal. That's a nothing. Let's just call it static. Yeah. Let's say it's but the this same. will drop his price. People will go. Well, he's moving to PNC. Yep. You know. Uh, but I mean, he's going to the National League. You know, I, I, I like this move a lot, actually. So I'm here for this. This is great. But we wanted to jump back in because I tweeted out, I was like, literally seconds after. And we're like, well, we're both here. Why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we just jump back on, talk a quick thing about it? Um, as If the price drops as it should, I totally agree with you. We're still buying. We told you we're both honks for, for Dickerson. This changes nothing. In fact, it, it, it encourages us. So get your Corey Dickerson shares and enjoy CJ Crone, I don't know. It doesn't do a whole lot for me. Like you said, though, he should get full-time uh, plate appearances here and over the course of his his 162 average in the last three years is 24 homers. So you know he can be a, a, a low 20s homer bat, um, getting the bulk of the playing time at first base in Atla- uh, in Atlanta in Tampa Bay. So you know, good for him. Not really anything that moves the needle for me he's a he's a ci he's a corner uh even an al only i think i I want him as my ci let alone uh mixed leagues if i'm even drafting him there so not not a huge thing there's there's so many cj crone types that it just doesn't it's less about him and just more about the state of of first base right now that there's just so many that uh, you kind of pick the random name that you that you want there and you and you plug him in he's all right but he's not a stud by any stretch um this was interesting. Shortly, at, like right after after this was happening, we got news, and it, before the trade was done, it said trade for the Rays with Minnesota, and everyone thought, well, okay, Dickerson's going to Minnesota. Let's let's go. This is gonna <laughs> this is gonna go well. And then psych, because uh, it, it was funny. Like I said, just just news that a trade was done came out, and you would have thought right after Dickerson gets DFA, it would be that it was not. It was Jake Odorizzi, which frankly for Minnesota is a much more important deal because they don't really need a, a left field DH type, uh, which although with the Miguel Sano hurt and of course uh, with his off the field situation, maybe Dickerson would have been a good move for them as well. But they needed pitching. They needed pitching before Evan Santana got hurt, and they obviously needed even more now that their uh, their their workhorse is down for a few months. So they get Jake Odorizzi in a deal for I think Jermaine Palacios, who I believe was like a twenty something level pro a twenty something ranked prospect mm-hmm. in their system. So not much. I've always liked Odorizzi too, so I was like, dang. But I get it. You know, he's been a home run machine, and this is the wrong era to ha- be a home run machine. Um, and and he had a tough year last year, so they had to sell him at a at, at a low point. But he is going to go out in Minnesota. Obviously, going to go right into that rotation and, and and be somebody that they definitely rely on. I think he's still, you know, a, a solid kind of mid rotation sort of guy. Here's the thing, though: never really been big on innings, and last year was his lowest, 143. But uh, you're getting an average of 167 over the last four years with a 381 ERA and a 122 WHIP. It's solid, if unspectacular. But what do you think of Odorizzi in Minnesota? I think you nailed it by saying it's solid but unspectacular. Um, I mean, he's one of those guys that can just give you innings, mm-hmm. which, like in your deeper formats, in your AL onlys, in your you know deeper than 15 team mix type leagues, that has some value, but. 
I, I think we've always thought that we were going to get another step from him, especially you know when we saw in 2014 when you know the strikeouts got over strikeout an inning, you know the the underlying metrics looked better than you know the surface stats, and you know he was still fairly young. Now he's you know going to be 28 years old. He's coming off uh, pretty much his you know least amount of innings at the major league level since becoming a full time starter. You know, the strikeouts have never gone up from where they were. You know, he's just kind of is what he is. You know, maybe a new environment does him some good, but, like, I, I just don't see the upside in a guy like Odorizzi. Yeah, the the one thing, um, you know, being a home run guy, it doesn't always mean you're a fly ball guy, but in this case, it, it, it is uh, a, that situation for Jake Odorizzi. He has more of a fly ball lean. Uh, doesn't really lose anything defensively going from Kiermaier to Buxton so that that's good uh they'll chase down you know either of them would have chased down some potential doubles triples and maybe even steal a homer or two but it uh, doesn't really uh, I don't think the park is really all that uh all that much of a difference for him going from the the trop over to Minnesota which I think is a little bit homer friendly but not like more neutral when you add it together lefties get hurt righties get helped and i think the trop is the same way um with with it being more neutral with righties not getting as much help as they do so i think all of that's going to kind of come out in the wash the one thing i will say though gets out of the al east goes to the al central not only from a lineups that you, the lineups that you're going to be facing with KC and Detroit particularly on the bottom end there and and the White Sox um, on the rise with their prospects but still not not overly imposing yeah you do have to face Cleveland but apart from the lineups just the ballparks changing out Baltimore Toronto Fenway and Yankee Stadium for progressive uh Kauffman Comerica and then of course US Cellular is home run friendly but I think that's going to help Jake Odorizzi as well. So if he does find health, gets back closer to the 188 innings of 2016, um, I think we can see the homers just from the just from this environment come down a little bit. I still think he's going to be over one. He's been at 1.3 the last four years. But I think that 1.9 comes down from last year. And we're more if we're more in the 1-1 range, then, hey, maybe we get back to the 335 ERA of 2015. So... It, we're really looking at the margins for Jake Odorizzi. Still a middle rotation filler, right? Yeah, and I mean, he was actually better on the road than he was at home last year. So I don't, I don't know if I mean there are some bottom feeder teams in that in the Central that aren't really there in in the East. But I just, yeah, I just don't. It's not interesting to me. Like, I mean, it's, that's fair. You know, I mean, he's I mean, a fourth, fifth starter in AL only. I mean. But you're going to have to pay more for that because there's some name value still attached to him. That's true. That's true because uh, at one point he was he, a top prospect. He has put up four seasons of 28 plus starts, and there is value in volume. Uh, let's move on then to their three-way deal that they were involved in. Another big piece getting moved out. Steven Souza goes to Arizona. Brandon Drury goes to the Yankees and then Anthony Banda and um, a couple prospects, I think, or at least one prospect. I can't remember the name, Nick Slosak or something. Let me, let me yeah, pull it up. he's not much of a prospect. Solak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, it's really Banda. Um, so who cares? It, to the point, it's Susan Drury for what we care about, and that's what I'm going to focus on. So another guy out 
in uh, in Tampa Bay, another big piece out, and uh, Souza going to the uh, the Diamondbacks, which opens up the door for us to talk about the humidor, which is happening. We got confirmation that it is it is a full go here. Um, we're seeing the reports of of the potential that it could have. And Derek Carty did great work highlighting what the humidor in Colorado has done. It has not been a negative, or it has not been a a nothing move, as uh, someone on this podcast has suggested. <laughs> I was wrong, and um, we could really see we could really see some changes here in Arizona in terms of stifling home runs and whatnot, but also improving the outlook of their pitchers, four of whom I was already pretty pretty heavily in on with Granky uh, Walker. Uh, godly and and ray i mean i have him ranked high i'm not necessarily super in on him but i certainly see the upside and now this definitely helps so humidor steven souza arizona which got well I, I talked to Derek cardi and so we'll play that audio real quick uh right now so that way you get a chance to kind of listen to the in-depth science behind it Derek, thank you for joining me yeah thanks for having me on um i'm super excited to have you on we're going to talk about kind of i think the most pressing issue for a while it was like what are sites going to classify shohei otani as um but now we're, we're moving into a, a new controversy a new thing that could be throwing people curveballs and that's the humidor being put into chase field in arizona but before we uh, get to that i want to just remind everybody where you could be reached on social media and then i uh, give you a chance to kind of plug all your work because you do a lot of great things in the industry I appreciate it. Um, mostly on Twitter, at Derek Cardi. Um, I'm going to be starting up an Instagram this year. I think Derek T. Cardi. So if you want to throw me a follow there, that'll get started soon. But uh, mostly on Twitter. Nice, nice. And then you work at Rotor Grinders, ESPN, and uh, you are the the mind behind the bat. So why don't, you, why don't you tell people a little bit about just kind of all those things. We'll, we'll dive into the bat a little bit later. Yeah, so I mean, I you know I do work at uh, at ESPN and at Roto Grinders. I used to be on Baseball Tonight for a little while. Now it's online stuff, articles for ESPN um, at Roto Grinders. You know, on Grinders Live on their shows, and my DFS projection system, the bat is over there, and that's kind of the you know my baby. That's my big project. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll definitely dive into that because that uh, that has had some. Uh, pretty amazing success, uh, and so I want to give people kind of a heads up on where they can go to subscribe for that and why it's uh, such a, a great program. But uh, before we do that, uh, remind everybody you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, I'll just uh, I'll, I'll throw all the plugs in later via via uh, a little drop in, so uh, we don't have to worry about doing any of the advertising today uh, with you, because I'm just super excited to talk about this humidor issue. I had been kind of, you know, brushing it off as, as kind of being an overblown thing, but the new data that is coming out little by little and, and really hit us all on the night of labor uh, a couple nights ago um, it is really amazing and, uh, and, and interesting and I think could really change the landscape, especially for hitters and pitchers who play in Arizona. So uh, what? Let, let's start with kind of just the basics. How, how do the humidors themselves affect the balls? Okay, so yeah, you kind of said like you were brushing it off initially, like this might be a little thing. Like I just want to start off and say – this is not a little thing. This is not something we should ignore. This is going to be huge. This is going to have an enormous impact, and everyone in fantasy needs to be accounting for this, or else they're just doing it wrong. So how a humidor affects a baseball, like the most, the simplest way to put it is the humidor, even though like it kind of sounds like humidity, 
it doesn't have anything to do with like the atmosphere or the air in the park. It has to do with the balls themselves. The balls are stored in a chamber at a constant temperature and humidity. Um, at a higher humidity, the ball absorbs more water. When the ball absorbs more water, its weight increases, its bounciness decreases, and so when the bat hits the ball, it's not going to be hit as hard. The velocity off the bat is lower um, in these conditions. And so that's kind of like the very basic science behind it. Okay. Um, what are the effects that you or that we saw when they put them in, uh, in Colorado? Because, I mean, that's really our biggest sample is the fact that Colorado put one in years ago. Yeah, and that's uh, kind of great for this scenario because we already have some data on what happened when a humidor was put in a major league ballpark. And there are some people who will say like, oh, you know, Colorado has a humidor and it's still a hitter's park. It's still the best hitter's park in baseball. Like it's not going to have any effect in, in Arizona. I think one of like the Arizona executives actually like kind of said like it didn't really have a big effect in Colorado. Like it's not going to be that big of a deal. No, not the case at all. If you look at what happened in Colorado – the effect was massive. The difference is that Colorado was such, like, just a crazy hitter's park to begin with that it remained, you know, a very, very good hitter's park after the fact. Um, you know, Woba decreased by 5% when Coors added a humidor. Batting average decreased by 7%. Babip decreased by 7%. Uh, strikeouts went up 1%. Home runs went down by 22%, which is huge. Yeah, that that's a that's a pretty drastic drop. So, are you expecting the effects to be more or less extreme in Arizona? So, from everything we can tell, it sounds like the effects are going to be even greater in Arizona, um, and that's because um, so Coors Field, the average humidity in Coors Field over the past five years was thirty six percent. And in their humidor, they store the balls at 50% humidity. So they're adding about 14% humidity to the balls, kind of, you know, adding that much extra weight, you know, and decreasing bounciness by that much to the balls. In Chase Field, their average humidity is much lower. It's only about 16%. So they're adding much more humidity to the balls in their humidor. They're also going to keep it at 50% in the humidor, they say. And so what should happen is the balls should absorb even more water than they're absorbing in Colorado. Um, their weight should get even heavier. Their bounciness should go down even further. Um, and the exit velocity should go down even further than the balls that are struck in Colorado. And uh, there's a great article at the Hardball Times from Dr. Alan Nathan, who's like the leading baseball physicist in the world. He's like phenomenal. And he estimated when the Coors Field humidor happened that the decrease would be about 25%, which is pretty much exactly what we saw. Um, when he ran the numbers for Chase Field, he said it's probably going to be more like 37%, perhaps as much as 50% decrease in home runs in Chase Field, which is just insane. Yeah, that is, uh, that, that's gigantic, and that could affect uh, large parts of fantasy players from a hitting and pitcher's uh, perspective. I mean, obviously hitters will... Uh, lose uh, some home runs and pitchers are going to, that are going to be pitching in or pitching in chase on a regular basis are going to have a pretty nice advantage. Do you have a feel on which uh, players you feel will be most affected? So I mean, it's going to be on the hitting side like they're all going to be affected. Um there was a good article by Andrew uh, Andrew Perpetua at Fangraphs where he kind of looked at Statcast data and found the guys who 
who might be impacted the most. Like all the Arizona hitters are going to be affected. But he found that Jake Lamb could potentially be affected the most of all the hitters. So, like, I'm staying far away from Jake Lamb. But I'm also staying far away from Paul Goldschmidt. Like, going fourth, I think, is his average ADP in NFBC leagues right now is just insane. I have I had no interest in him to begin with at that ADP. Now, like, anyone who took him there, like, good luck. Your season might be done. <laughs> yeah, that's – uh, I've been a big Paul Goldschmidt uh, fan and. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I may be uh, a little bit more optimistic just because he can do so many other things on, on the baseball field, you know, for, for fantasy in terms of, you know, hitting for a really nice average, stealing bases, so maybe he just chains a little bit of the profile uh, that we expected from him, but fourth overall definitely becomes a pretty risky proposition if you've already had an early draft. From the pitching side, like, do you see Robbie Ray getting a huge boost, considering he can be kind of a, a little homer happy at times? Uh, Zach Granke uh, could uh, be in for a big year because of this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talk about how it's going to hurt the hitters. It's going to help the pitchers by the same amount. So Arizona pitchers are going to get a huge boost from this. Um, the guys who allow the most fly balls, presumably, will get the biggest boost because the biggest impact of the humidor, yes, it's going to impact BABIP, it's going to impact strikeouts just a little bit, but mostly it's going to impact home runs. And so the guys who are allowing the most fly balls are going to, in general, allow the most home runs. When you're depressing home runs, well, they're going to get the biggest impact from that. So a guy like Robbie Ray, who last year had, I think, the, the highest fly ball rate uh, on the entire Arizona pitching staff, one would think he's going to get the biggest benefit here. Yeah, and I, I was a big Robbie Ray fan before. This is uh, definitely pushing him up my ranks, and I'm also a big Zach Granke fan, and, and actually Zach Godley fan. I think I'm a big fan of the whole rotation now, uh, especially with this news. It'll be interesting to see if he can you know, calm down his home run rate, uh, Robbie Ray's. Uh, that could you know, take him to another level, even after we saw such a fantastic year last year. He, he still had a... Uh, uh, subpar home run rate, uh, even in his breakout season. So definitely a guy that I'll be pushing up my ranks for sure. Um, you know, let, let's talk about this from a, a DFS uh, perspective, and then we'll kind of transition a little bit into the bat with that. Uh, you know, players uh, usually uh, try to target certain fields in, in certain environments when playing DFS. Uh, do you see this really... Uh, uh, obviously, you see this really changing the profile and what uh, players are going to be able to do. Do you think that DraftKings in FanDuel will be able to adjust really quickly with their pricing, or do you think that this is going to offer some really interesting buying opportunities early on in the season? Yeah, I honestly have no idea how it's going to affect the pricing, mostly because I don't completely understand how their pricing algorithms <laughs> work. Um, you and me you know, both. It's not like a like something they put out there, like, okay, yeah, this is what goes into it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very interested to see because, theoretically, we should see more expensive Diamondbacks pitchers and less expensive Diamondbacks hitters. Whether that's the case or not, I really don't know. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that we'll have to we'll have to monitor. Let's uh let's transition away from the humidor unless you have any last thoughts uh on it. No, just that like, you know, best case scenario, even if all we get from Chase Field is the exact reduction that we saw in cores, it's going to be a neutral park. If it's anything more extreme than that, which is what the physics suggest it should be, it's going to be a pitcher's park. It's going to be like 
the 10th best pitchers park in baseball potentially um you know just based on the the negative 37% you know home run reduction that that Dr. Alan Nathan projects if that happens it's the 10th best pitchers park in baseball this year Whew. that is uh that is a pretty drastic change and those yeah. of those of you in keeper and dynasty leagues these are some really big thoughts too as you're starting to uh um, you know, figure out how how you want to value guys going forward. This may be the time to try to sell Paul Coldschmidt or any of your dynasty as, uh, assets before uh, these af- effects really take a hold. I would highly recommend it. <laughs> okay, so we we listen to Derek Carty talk about the science, and I mean, it's it's obvious that the science behind it kind of says that there should be a drastic reduction in home runs. So like for me, this, this becomes really scary for a guy like Steven Souza going over there because obviously, you know, a part of a lot of his value is based on the ability to hit for power. This kind of takes him from a guy I was targeting a lot because I love the power speed combo and I'm okay. Like I've said earlier with Will Myers, I'm okay with, uh, taking guys who are a little bit of batting average risks. Uh, but this move kind of, definitely drops him for me mm-hmm. i think that's fair you know basically he was looking kind of like a uh, a will myers knockoff basically you know uh even lower average form maybe not as many steals but really nice power had his breakout year last year stayed fully healthy put up 30 homers 16 stolen bases 16 stolen bases at 20 attempts for steven the jr so that was nice um you know still going to go out there to arizona get a full-time role in right field though um, so that certainly helps. Again, does get to go to Colorado. Yes, it is going to hurt, but I wonder if the the drop off since Arizona was such a good good hitters ballpark, if if even when you put the drop off in, does it still look better than Tampa Bay or at least comparable to Tampa Bay? And maybe it doesn't end up hurting somebody like Souza all that much. Or do you think it's going to go and fall below Tampa Bay in terms of a, a, a power park? You know, I think he, you know, Derek said that it would most likely at best be, uh, you know, it'd make Arizona kind of an average, you know, park neutral. But that would be similar to the drop. Yeah. And then at worst, it would be a top 10 pitchers park. Oh, okay. So, I mean, it it really just, yeah, it's really dependent on, I mean, how this plays. And, and then, of course, if, Arizona then messes around with the humidity levels because, you know, if this has too much of a drastic offense, fans want offense and they want to sell seats, you know, so they could always, you know, tweak it here and there. Uh, you know, I was talking to uh, Vlad Sedler from, uh, he's from Rover at Rotowire and uh, he's a big NFBC player and he was in uh, one of the online championship drafts uh, the other night and he said that uh, Goldschmidt went 15th in that draft. Uh, Lamb went five rounds past where his current ADP is. In the 25th round, Peralta still hadn't gone. I think people are overreacting. Now, I think there's something to react to, but I think this is like buying opportunity time right now for for hitters who are in Arizona. And it may be selling opportunity time for pitchers because... If people are, uh, if people are, you know, low on hitters, they're going to be high on pitchers. So, this may be one of those times it's smart to zig when other people are zagging. Uh, and I think uh, right now, you know, as much as I think this would lower Souza in my ranks, it's not going to lower him so much where I think I'm out completely. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point and and very interesting information there from Vlad. By the way, we're going to have him as a future guest here on the show, so look forward to that um, in the coming weeks, and we can maybe talk to him in in depth about that as the uh, uh, as far as where the pitchers went as well, because that seems like you said drastic and crazy, especially the Goldschmidt fifteen piece, mm-hmm. and that is now his max pick, um, which wow. and that's a twelve team uh, league. So I mean, that's you know that's. Uh, in the second round, Paul Goldschmidt, a guy who I think for some people, uh, including myself, before the humidor news had come out, was a top four or five pick. Like in Consistently. A, some yeah. folks have him third, and I don't I, I don't have him there, but I don't dispute it either. It's one of those things where it's a, for me it's more of a preferential uh, situation in that three to five range, and some folks have him third. And I'm like, okay, I get it because the speed has been consistent, and you're still getting 30, 30 homer power and good batting average. And here's the thing, too. It's not that anything that might have been a homer that you would lose is automatically now and out. Some of it can become doubles. Uh, you know, or even base hit singles, and then you're on first, and you get a chance to steal more. So it's not just robbing every bit of offense there um, on every sw- every single event that changes. So I think that's a that's an overreaction. Wow! If I'm getting Paul Goldschmidt in the second round, sign me the hell up. For me, it um, hurts I- guys like Jake Lamb who are kind yes. of power only. Power, yeah, not only not just power dependent, power only like mm-hmm. that. That's just what he does. And, um, you know, are you worried about somebody like a David Peralta? Because I actually loved David Peralta coming into the season. I liked him last year, too, because his batting average price is so nice. And if it's going to continue to drop, it's like, why not take the shot on him? Can't really hurt, right? Even if he drops down, you know, to 10 over. I mean, you know, he he stole eight bases last year. So, you know, maybe he hits a few less home runs. He hits 12 home runs. And ends up stealing double-digit bases, you know, pretty decent, uh, actually really nice triple slash last year. I mean, I think there's lots of reasons to like a David Peralta, and if he's going to get moved down two or three rounds because of this, uh, I'm I'm totally down for having him as, like, my number four or fifth outfielder. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that as well. I'm uh, going to make a decision here. Before we get to Drury, we're going to take a little tangent since we're talking about park changes. Uh, there's no easy way to bring up the Angels. We're not. We don't have any Angels talk. So I just want to mention that they lowered the right field wall by 10 feet. And uh, again, since we are talking park changes, I thought this was a good place to kind of weasel this in here. What do you think about the Angels lowering their right field wall minus 10 feet? I I don't I don't get this from from a baseball standpoint. Not only is your uh, offense very very right handed. Uh, your pitching staff is very, very right-handed as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, let's hurt the offense and hurt the pitching staff with the same move. It seems, it seems weird. I, I don't, I don't really understand it. Apparently, they they said uh, they put in, like philosophical changes went into it or philosophical thought. Like I don't know. Yeah, like they they they, they, they prayed on it for a very long time. They prayed on it. Yeah, exactly. Like they, They're just being kind of like cryptic about it. It was just like, uh, whatever. Uh, so anyway, that is an interesting move. I will link a piece at uh, Halo's Heaven that talks about it. I remember that being a high wall. Um, so, you know, okay, I get it. Uh, Jeff Fletcher of the Orange County Register tweeted that 
Uh, it's going to be moved down because of a new out-of-town scoreboard and, quote, philosophical changes. Like I said, uh, uh, <laughs> the guy, Tim Mead, the spokesman, said a lot of thought went into it. Okay, uh, Tim, yeah, whatever you say. Andrew, uh, and I always butcher his name, per, uh, Perpetua, Perpetua? Of, of Rotographs, uh, tweeted that when City Field lowered the fence about 8 feet, so a little bit less, the home run uh, rate for that stadium went up for about 12%. We could see a big change here. Now, what I what I suggested to you, maybe it's Otani. <laughs> That's the driving force behind it, which again would be short sighted and ridiculous for a couple reasons. One, because he's not going to bat that much, and two, because he's also pitching, so he could also get hurt mm-hmm. by it. But I suggested that maybe that was the reason. What do you think about Otani maybe being the uh, the driving force behind this? Yeah, when you mentioned that, I kind of joked that maybe that was part of the contract that he <laughs> agreed to. They were to. the only like, team willing to lower their wall. Yeah, like that. Like, listen, I'll, I'll sign. I'll sign in Anaheim, but you're you're gonna have to lower that wall for me. Um, like you said, it seems short-sighted if that has anything to do with it, because you're talking about a guy who's gonna bat two or three times a week. Um, though, I mean, there were, was talk recently that uh, they could pinch run him and pinch hit him on, on off days and things like okay. that. Uh, just, he gets hurt pinch running. Are, what, can you even fathom the freak out? It doesn't seem like they have any idea what they're doing anyways, though. So, like, why not just screw up everything? <laughs> just keep it going with the uh, we don't know what we're doing. So Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. So... It's not an insignificant move. I think sometimes people hear like ten minus ten feet or minus eight feet, and it's like, who cares? No, no, no. This is something. And uh, like I said, it was anecdotally, but I could remember times of Cal- Cole Calhoun kind of chasing some stuff down out there, and that wall helping him either um, playing something where he kind of climbed the wall or playing it off the wall. And now those are going to be there's going to be some homers there. So it will be interesting. It is going to make a change. Just kind of keep it in your mind for the Angels. I don't know that I'm making severe draft moves. I've never been a Cole Calhoun guy. Yeah, Speaking either. of Cole Calhoun, like he's going to benefit from it offensively too. Um, I've never been a huge guy on on him or you know Luis Valbuena is like an AL only type. Those are the two left-handers that are scheduled to get the most uh, hitting time for them. I'm not you know jumping off the the Garrett Richards bandwagon. I'm I'm sure you're not either. Nope. But it it is something that that could change. That it'll, it'll sway a game here and there that you're watching. You'll be like, damn, I remember when when they talked about that. So just keep it in mind. Back to the Rays uh, and and this trade here. Not really the Rays, but another part of this trade. Brandon Drury goes from Arizona to, to New York. This is kind of a big move because uh, they were still having uh, you know decisions here, hangups about what they're going to do at second and third base, and he actually plays both of those positions. So he looks like he's going to be an answer at one of the positions, at least to start the season. Roster Resources is suggesting third base right now, which is going to uh, push the, the arrival of Glaber Torres which makes sense, you know. I didn't. I never thought he was gonna like come up from break camp and and be there on day one. Anyway, he's only 21. It's not like they have to have him up immediately. Uh, Miguel Andujar is a guy that folks were ta- have been talking about. I guess he could still play his way in, and then again, Drury would then just move to second. But Brandon Drury is somebody who's an interesting bat. 25 years old, didn't really do much last year. Had a tough year, but now he gets to go to Yankee Stadium. What do you think about uh, Brandon Drury? I mean, uh, Drury's kind of one of those. He's nice because he has multi-positional eligibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you know, it's not like he's leaving like a pitcher's park and going to a hitter's park. So that's it's a great point. Yeah, you know, I mean, like I don't expect a huge bump in. Uh, in, in power, I don't necessarily expect a huge bump in playing time because those guys will come up at some point, um, and he'll move into more of a super utility role. I think what this does is it kind of pops a little bit of the helium in the Glabar Torres, uh, uh, you know, balloon. Which, that seems to be the biggest effect, right? Yeah, which to me was overrated, anyways, and I wasn't going to have exactly. any shares because I think Torres. If he's not playing shortstop, is a better real life player than he is fantasy player, and he wasn't going to start the year in the majors anyways. He's coming off a of Tommy John surgery, uh, you know, after that gruesome slide at home plate. Uh, they were obviously going to need to give him time in the minor leagues to make sure he was healthy and also hold down service time for a little bit. So, I mean, Drury is an interesting AL only option. Um, yeah, I think so. But that's it. Uh, by the way, you mentioned multi-eligibility. He had it coming into last year, but last year he only played second base. So uh, if he plays third, he'll get the second position there, but he does not actually enter the season with multi-eligibility, just saving you some Twitter comments of of, of people saying. That, that's uh, a good call because he had been actually, outfield second and third, I want to say, coming it was into nice. last season. Yeah. And I had him in a bunch of teams, and he disappointed. So thanks for nothing, Brandon, <laughs> you jerk. Uh, I, one guy I do want to bring up, Miguel Andujar. Again, that was uh, Yankees fans have been talking him up, saying he's going to be the third baseman, and then and then Therese is going to hold down second for, for Torres. Like I said, if Andujar has a great enough spring training, he can still push his way into third, and then Drury can go over to second. So it, this does not kill his his potential. But what do you think of of Miguel Andujar, another prospect they have, though not quite the acclaim of a uh, of a Glaber Torres? Yeah, he's he's an interesting guy. Um, he doesn't have the power to play at third in fantasy. Okay. Uh, so I mean, I don't I don't think he's ever like a twenty home run bat. But like in so AL only for Miguel Andujar. Yeah, AL only. Like he's got a uh, you know his hit tool is developed more than I think some prospect guys thought it would, and so I think he could easily hit for like a three hundred average with like ten to fifteen home runs, which mm-hmm. is interesting in AL only. And I think right now is the buying opportunity because people are afraid that he won't start the year in the majors. I think he might. I I, I don't understand why. He's not a top prospect where the Yankees need to worry about service time with him. That's true. He's more of a role role player guy. And do they really want to start the year with Tyler Wade at second base? <laughs> I, I don't think so. Yeah, there's again. I think Miguel Andujar is going to get his chance to 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 win a spot. He only has 58 games in AAA um, last year for for his career, but he's going to be age 23, so he's not. You know that that's that's an age now where you can come up and you can actually say, hey, it's it's your time. You know. What five years ago? Anybody that's like twenty-three, if you're under twenty-five, we weren't necessarily saying that. That scale has been moved back to where you know you you can definitely be a twenty-three-year-old who gets a full opportunity even after just five games of major league time, which is what he got last year. So Miguel Andujar is an interesting name for AL only specifically. Uh, you fifty-round draft and hold NFBCers. I think it's an interesting name. Um, I, I, he could be a guy that that really plays his his way into a role this year. He's not going to be the guy to play second he would take over third and push drury over there but i agree with you this does not uh, this trade does not push him out uh so keep an eye on him in spring training all right uh and then i guess we will talk about the race they did get anthony banda who was 
a prospect. I'm putting it in quotes because he was a prospect in the Arizona system. Like he was their number one prospect at a point, which spoke more about their system than anything about Banda. No offense, Anthony Banda. I know you listen. Thank you for listening. I always appreciate that. But uh, you know, no offense to you. We just know you're not a quote unquote number one prospect. But he did come up last year. He had 25 innings uh, of a 13 strike, 13% strikeout minus walk rate, which is fine. But uh, he gave up too many hits. Babbitt was 329, didn't strand anybody 59%, so he had a 596 ERA versus a 324 FIP. It's 25 innings. I don't want to get hung up on it one way or the other. But he will go to Tampa Bay. They're pretty good about uh, developing pitching, even though they tend to slow roast their guys, which can be annoying. You see anything here with Banda for the Rays? You know, I think he's a guy that, you know, is... Uh, he's He can be interesting. He's left-handed, so... Uh, maybe that gets him in. Maybe I always forget that. You know, um, uh, his his command isn't great, but he's got pretty decent control. So okay. maybe he just you know needs to tweak something. And the Rays have been a good system in terms of developing pitching. So maybe they saw something and were like, okay, this guy's ready to take another step. So you know he's twenty four. So y- you know you think. He's going to be in the majors at some point this year, especially with the news that we got earlier uh, this morning. Let's, let's let's talk about that news. Get the tissues out, mm-hmm. folks. Maybe they need Anthony Banda sooner than later because Brent Honeywell has been hurt. We don't know the extent. By the time you're listening to this, you could already know that it's uh, you know something severe. It looks severe the way they're 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 talking about it right now. Um, he was, and these are in quotes, he was clearly upset. And right quote, forearm tightness, according to the Rays tw- Twitter account. That's always bad. And cursed loudly a few times before leaving the field with the trainer. <sighs> this pisses me off so much. <laughs> I hate injuries. I hate them so much. I'm a big Honeywell fan. Um, easy to be, I should say, but uh, I'm definitely a big, big, big Honeywell fan, and this this just looks bad. Uh, the right forearm strain can always kind of be that precursor to something in the elbow. Uh, this is concerning. And this is, I mean, you know, you used to have a podcast with Doug Thorber and the Tin Step podcast, and what did yep. that stand for? There's no such thing as a pitching prospect. And that is Gary Huckabay's phrase, and we got we got permission from him to use that as the title, by the way. He loved it. Thank you, Gary. You're awesome. Um, and the point being was that you know they're they're so fragile uh, because because of the way pitching is and the way pitching injuries are that you know the second that you, you start to really kind of get into it and and feel comfortable about about a pitcher as a prospect, this is the kind of shit that happens. And then you're left crying. And so so it's the ten four of hell right now. Four of the top, uh, or three of the top four pitching prospects coming into this season are either hurt or suspended. Alex Fantastic. Reyes, Forrest Whitley, who we'll talk about a little bit later, uh, mm-hmm. and now and now Honeywell. So you've got Michael Kopech, who is like a huge injury red flag guy because he oh. throws so stinking hard. He throws a million. Yeah. You know, this is why he, you always devalue pitching prospects in Dynasty. Um, this is why it is super insane to trade for pitching prospects that are far away in Dynasty because mm-hmm. you never know, one, if they're going to develop, but two, like the chance that they're going to stay healthy all the way through the minor leagues and then get to the major leagues and be good is so slim. You Look know? at Thor. Mm-hmm. Thor pitched like no innings. Like, tell me that, you know, 
no matter how smart you are on like sabermetrics and stuff, and you might have been reading BP forever, which is where uh, Huckabee came from and, and did and had the 10 step stuff, no matter how well versed you are in that stuff, I'm sure the, the even Gary himself probably got drunk on, on Thor's 2016. You know, you're talking two good years in a row. God, this guy's so amazing. And then boom, right a freaking way, 30 innings in 2017. And then you just get hit in the face with 10 stab all the time. And it, it, it might sound like a little tongue in cheek sort of uh, fun phrase, but it is so true. And it proves itself time and time and time and time again. And to your point, you know, T- dynasty is something I've been more and more interested in. And I was really following that RDI draft, that Rotowire dynasty invitational and just seeing where the pitching gets devalued. You just got to be smart, and that's why when I see these people want to keep these young pitchers and contract them out, I never contract pitching. I will I will maybe take it for that next year. Uh, if I got a guy up for a deal and he's like just so cheap and you know a $1 guy that I hit on, I'll be like, okay, I'll keep him for six for this year. And I know that you could make the case that maybe I should have put him out for 16 and get him for three. I don't do it. I do not contract pitching. I do not recommend anybody contract pitching. I don't, I don't care how great it looks. It can all be taken away. I mentioned Thor. What about his teammate, Matt Harvey? He's an afterthought now. He's nothing on the fantasy landscape right now. And, and Steven, look, well, Steven Matz, I mean. <laughs> yes. I mean, look, look where we were. Okay. After 2015, when he comes back from injury, uh, I believe it was his Tommy John, uh, Harvey put up a 271 ERA and a 102 whip in 189 innings. You bought him in 14 on the cheap. And let's just say, I think it's usually you have him for three years and then you have to contract. But let's just say you'd had to make a contract decision after 15. How many people would have wanted to say, let me put him out for two years. I'll be conservative and put him for two years. Well, last year you got a or uh, sixteen, you got a four eighty six ERA for ninety two and two thirds, and then weirdly he also threw ninety two and two thirds last year, um, same exact number two years in a row. But it was a six seventy ERA, and I know that's one example, but there are countless ones. These are not cherry picked. Do not contract pitchers. Do I don't. Not- I, I don't long term or contract out anyone. Anymore. I really don't either. Like I, I just, it has to be like a two dollar Mike Trout for me to do it. it. It has to be pretty severe for me as well. I, I completely agree with you there. Um, you know, I put a contract out on. I, I did a Anthony Rendon one in my NL league, and that one worked out nicely. You know, it's got he was a top prospect, top elite prospect who, but even he had health concerns. I, I was still I still had trepidation doing that for a couple of years, but uh, with pitching especially. Just yeah. don't do it. I got screwed by Jason Bay a number of years ago, and uh, I'll, I'll never do it again. It's 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 so tough to do. Uh, we just we just don't know. You just can't do it. Things change so drastically year to year. So I always laugh. Like um, this year during the the off season that we were having is so quiet that people wanted to talk about nineteen and where you think so and so is going to go. I'm like, how the hell do I know, man? <laughs> I don't know where Jonathan freaking Lucroy is going to go. Look where his stock was two years ago. So you know, um, how the hell you, you want me to? Take this team or uh, th- this draft class for the uh, nineteen or the free agent class for nineteen with a year to go and tell you what the hell is going to happen to them. Get out of here with that. <laughs> anyway, last bit on the Rays, uh, Carlos Gomez. They signed to it to a deal. So, you know, this 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 pushes back on the the tank idea with the Dickerson move, uh, and it gives them a little cover to say. Um, 
we're not totally tanking. We wanted a guy who we can feel confident putting in the field every day. You and I uh, are both Dickerson homers. I'm a Carlos Gomez homer as well, so I wanted to a- acknowledge that. Me too. But okay, so we're, we're we're homers on both guys, so we're a little bit torn here as as they they ship out one and, and bring in another. But I do think it gives them a little a touch of cover at least. I don't like the moves that they made. I don't like the way that they're they're going about this. But I do think that this says okay, we're not fully tanking. We're just trying to shuffle pieces in the way we want. We want it. We want this money to be spent the best way that we see possible. And so he's going to get four mil plus potential incentives uh, if he can stay healthy, of course. Um, and again, a guy that they can trust out there in the outfield every single day when healthy. And maybe that was their big difference between Dickerson and Gomez because Dickerson has some decent metrics. But I wonder if those are a little bit skewed by playing by uh, Corey Kier- or Corey Kier- Kevin Kiermaier uh, because it seems the perception of Dickerson's defense is negative. I certainly had him as a super negative outfielder so when i saw the metrics i was like oh okay that's interesting um and with two years of data you have to give it some some credibility i would think but uh, gomez to tampa bay should get a full-time role when healthy wasn't too bad last year kind of got back on track after a dud year and um you know he's been up and down gonna be age 32 what do you think of carlos gomez in tampa bay uh, Matthew Barry used to say on on the old Fantasy Focus podcast, the guys were fantasy kryptonite. Yes. I mean, I, I spent a dollar on Carlos Gomez uh, in the CBS AL auction last week. Um, and Genius. Well, and I also spent $17 on J.D. Martinez. So, like, this week You're has been genius. good to that league. Um, Look at you. So, I'm, I'm really hoping Jonathan Lucroy, because uh, I spent a dollar on him, too, <laughs> <laughs> makes it over. Um so I, I'm I'm gonna buy back in. I I you know it's a power speed combo. The the average actually was pretty decent last year. Strikeout rate, which is you know still obscene by uh, you know standards of a few years ago, is gone down. Um, you know I just I I love I love the power speed threat. You know, and even if he hits 240, like you know you're getting him so late, it's it's nice, and he's gonna hit in the middle of that lineup. As bad as it is, he's still going to drive in a lot. You know, should drive in a fair amount of runs. So, I think uh, the upside is so huge that I'm totally down for another run at Carlos Gomez. Now, I don't bring this up, and I think you would agree. We don't say this as it's as it's a as it's going to happen. But when you look at somebody who went 17 homers and 13 stolen bases in 105 games, there is that that five percent where he plays a buck forty again at some point, which he hasn't since 2014. That's why I'm saying it's not the projection, it's not the expectation, it's that hail mary where, whoa, look what I got this year because we don't know how things are going to go year to year. You say you say um, he hasn't done it since 2014, but in, when he did it in 2014, 23 home runs, 34 stolen bases. 30. Or stolen bases and so if the health like we're getting 15 15 you know you put that as a projection we can get 25 30 if things break and again he doesn't need to do that you're, you're not paying anything so it's not like you need to do that so i don't bring it up to say that this is the what you should expect but it's out there it's plausible I'll take my 15-15 for no cost with the potential to really spike a big season. He's 32. It would not be the craziest thing for Carlos Gomez to play 140 games. I'm in. I'm in with, uh, with him on a team where he's going to get as much playing time as his body can handle. Let's do it. And maybe Uh, the defensive, 
you know, risk of getting injured is lessened that he doesn't have to play center field. Yeah, he gets to be on a corner you now. Know. He should be playing right field. I would think with uh, he's got a better arm than Malik Smith. I have a better arm than Malik Smith, so duh. But uh, yeah, he should be on the right side. By the way, a boon to the pitchers when you got Kiermaier and Gomez. And even Malik Smith, again, he has terrible arm, but he has speed. If they can get him taking uh, decent routes, which is a, a challenge in itself, they, they should be able to cover a lot of ground and do very well in the outfield defense out there. So it's almost bring Odorizzi back. Now you now they can chase down all those fly balls. <laughs> what do you think about Malik Smith now that there's apparently a you know at least a you know strong side platoon spot available for him, if not a full time spot in the outfield? He can run for days, man. You're talking about 16 stolen bases each of the last two years in under 300 plate appearances. This is AL gold, even if he doesn't hit for anything. And uh, you know he has a 680 something OPS each of the last two years. The makeup of it has been different. Um, a little different each of the last two years last year with a, a boost to the obp and so getting on base a little bit more 329 get get on base 30 33 of the time yes i will take that i kind of like him as an al only guy or again a 50 round draft and mixed leagues i'm still probably not doing it there's another guy there's other guys i would take a look at including the next guy we're going to talk about that kind of fill that same role of not a full-time player that i can get speed from but I, I could see him playing his way into mixed league viability, though, too, if he does repeat last year's line with playing time, 270, 329, 355, put that at the bottom of the lineup. If they get him 130-plus games, he could steal 35, no? I think he could steal 40, 45. I mean, if they get, if he get, there's no reason for them not to run all the time with, with yes. how bad this offense is going to be. They're going to need to manufacture things. Uh, and there's no reason now that they've kind of jettisoned out guys that they, they shouldn't give Malik Smith a full-time role. I, I, I wrote him up over at Fantasy Alarm uh, for an article that's uh, going up later today uh, talking about kind of cheap speed options in every tier. Um, I, I think he's a reserve guy for me in 15-team mix. Okay. He stole 62 bases per 500 plate appearances in the minors. That's insane. That is bananas. And... Okay, you know what? I think you might be selling me a little bit because of the playing time potential there. There's, they got him inked in for a uh, platoon role at Roster Resource right now, but it's with Daniel Robertson, who's not necessarily somebody that has to block him off against lefties. Uh, maybe they just say, you know what? Let's give him as much playing time as he can handle. But even a strong side platoon would be enough playing time to be – mixed league viable if he can maintain a passable triple slash which last year's i think was passable enough if you're in that 89 he had an 89 ops plus if you're kind of 89 to 94 if they're in that range you can justify him as a nine hitter who's giving you all that speed yeah keep keep in mind though too like both gomez and malik smith their ADPs are going to jump. Like right now, yes. they're both going like 346 for Malik Smith, uh, 321 for Carlos Gomez. So they could start pricing themselves out of 15 team mixed, uh, where people are, are starting to take them in 12 team mix. And, and that, to me, at least for Smith, for Gomez, I'd still be on board just because I'm, you know, fantasy kryptonite again. Um, but uh, Malik Smith, like, like, don't get me wrong. Like, he, he's always kind of been a little bit blocked. But at some point, you ha- you blame that on player. If, if you're going to be good enough to play in the major leagues, you force your way into the lineup. Exactly. He doesn't necessarily, he hasn't done that yet. He's getting an opportunity now in Tampa. But there is, there's a really low floor. The floor is he's back in AAA. Yep. 
age 25 time to show something if not they will they will replace you you, you can't you can't keep being terrible uh, you got to do something if he goes back to the 238 average we saw in 2016 he's not going to play if he holds 270 even with no power but a decent OBP 330 at the bottom of your lineup is not terrible uh, and he was 16 for 21 so he's super efficient as well um, so I do I do like that from Malik Smith keep an eye on him 76% success rate that's going to keep you with a, a firm green light speaking of speedsters this is the one I would you know that we've been taking for years in mixed leagues despite knowing that he's not going to play anywhere near a full season Gerard Dyson headed out to Arizona and uh Still not going to be a full-time player, especially with the Steven Souza deals. He's got Pollock, Souza, Peralta as the top three outfielders. However, uh, Pollock, actually all three have had injury concerns, but but Pollock and Peralta more, most recently, uh, whereas Souza played a full season last year. So, you know, Dyson's still not going to be a major option. But again, we're talking about a guy who has been stealing 26 plus stolen bases for six years despite averaging 300 plate appearances he does not need the playing time now the tough part is though in mixed leagues you look at the bottom line and and the dollars at make him mixed league viable like when you're looking at an auction calculator or or whatever roto value you have you're like oh that could have been a mixed league guy but it's tougher in practice because a guy who does not play that often, you might have more of a full timer on your bench, and then you're deciding, do I play? Do I play Dyson here and and just Roto with Roto? You just wait it out. You say, I'm going to get the bottom line. I got to take the the good with the bad. Head to head is much tougher. But how do you how do you value a Gerard Dyson going out to Arizona? Uh, it's much easier to play a guy like Dyson in a weekly league than in a daily league, for sure, because he gets so many of those stolen bases off the bench, but. I'm pretty sure Rob Silver tweeted out before this trade that he was like the only player to have 25 or more stolen bases in six the last six straight seasons. I believe it. Like and like like you said, like he doesn't like he he's never had 400 plate appearances in a season. Never. <laughs> like he just like he does that, um, you know, without like. This is Malik Smith's goal. This yes. is this, this, this is exactly. goals for him. He looks at this and says, "If I can do this, I'll be playing at age 33 and still getting you know good money to be a major league baseball player. Uh, then then I'm doing something right. Can you get 3.8 mil the next two years? That's not bad at 33, 34 when you do not play every day. I think like if I'm in a dynasty or keeper league, I'm actually and this seems weird to say, like if I'm looking to compete in 2019, he might have an everyday role because I'm pretty sure Pollock is a free agent, and so, so. Um, like he could have an everyday role next year and be an absolute monster. This year, I think he's going to be who he's always been. He's going to get you 25 to 30 stolen bases, you know, mm-hmm. hit 250 to 260, um, you know, and really just be a, a one category contributor. Uh, you just have to be able to roll with the punches. Maybe he gets a few more at-bats and plate appearances this year than in years past because he's playing in the National Leagues and with double switches and things like that. He gets should, in a Should few get more. in a lot of games, right? Maybe his games goes up and then um, just by proxy going to add a few extra plate appearances. Like he had 390 last year in 111 games. Um, you know, maybe he gets 420 but, but does so in like 130 games because the way the NL works – he should be able to finagle his way into a lot more games. This is Drod Dyson for Arizona. Um, 
Yeah, I think that that's really interesting. Love him in NL only, but again, don't hate him in mixed, even though he is a tough play. You have to, you know yourself better than anybody else, right? The way you draft, the way you can play. If this, if you don't have patience and if if you have a trouble putting guys like this in your lineup, don't don't get him. But if you understand what you're getting and you are in a weekly league and you you are comfortable setting it and forgetting it and taking the 28 to 35 stolen bases by season's end, then by all means get Gerard Dyson. All right, let's talk uh, some quick hitters here. These are, these are even smaller moves than Draw Dyson, which is a pretty small move in its own. And I just want to get your quick thoughts. Uh, Jason Vargas out to the Mets. Back to the Mets, actually. I believe he started there, but uh, has has come a long way since and actually pretty decent uh, pitcher these days, at least major league-wise, not necessarily fantasy-wise. Uh, actually started with Florida, before I get corrected on that. And then 2007 did play briefly for the Mets. 10 innings of a 12-19 ERA. Yikes. Um, great start last year even made the all-star game completely flopped in the second half wound up with a 416 era but if you look at the makeup of it 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 was crazy he was an ace for the first like by 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 results i know he wasn't truly an ace but like ace level first half uh why are you in baseball second half (laughs) and it's just kind of crazy but now he goes out to the mets uh he'll probably get injured 52 times but what do you think of jason vargas with the mets this this is so mets oh just (laughs) this is just so mets like let's especially because of his injury track record yeah. like they just like yeah you fit perfectly with us yeah let's bring in the 35 year old lefty with an injury track record who was just atrocious for the second half of the season last year and let's block a guy who actually has some interesting upside <laughs> in, in, in Lugo like yep. I just to me it's just like Lugo was one of those guys that was like oh okay this is this is my sleeper guy and he still may be and I'm still gonna get shares because you know. Because Vargas, Harvey, Matt. Exactly. You know, there, there isn't a guy with, like, pristine health in this rotation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm still going to be on Lugo, and maybe this just drops his price so much to the point where I'm getting him for a buck or two in NL only, which will be great. So, thank you, Mets, for signing Vargas, <laughs> because that hopefully helps me get more shares of Seth Lugo. Tony Watson uh, to San Francisco on, on, on a nice little deal that they had to finagle around to fit under the, the luxury tax here because we were wondering if they were going to have to get rid of somebody to, to do that. But uh, they ended up getting him for 2-7 with a player option and some incentives that he, so he can make a little bit more. But uh, they, they stay under. We're a couple of years removed from Tony Watson being one of the best lefties in the game. Yeah, 14 and 15, he was a monster. In fact, uh, 2014 All-Star appearance. 2016 started to see the wheels come off a little bit due to homers. Then last year, same sort of deal. Homers have been the issue the last two years. If you got a little bit of a homer issue, this is the right place to go. And I bring him up, not because I'm necessarily worried about Melanson, but because I think he could rehab himself to the point where he can become an NL-only nice $1 guy at the back end of your rotation again. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's not like he was pitching in parks that were bad for homers anyways. And he no, was still especially good. PNC. Yeah, I mean, and Chavez Ravine's not bad either, so. But but San Francisco <sighs> is the best. Yeah, I know. I just, to me, what this says is that Hunter Strickland will never get saves ever, ever, ever. That is true. He really never will. But I think Molinas is going to be fine this year. Anyway. I do, too. Um, but, like, there was always that hope that, like, you know, he's such a hard-throwing guy, and he actually had pretty decent control. Like, yeah, he just never really was given a shot. And, like, you know, other than throwing out Bryce Harper, has never accomplished anything in That's the true. Giants' bullpen. So, um, um, Yeah, so 
he finished Watson did finish strong with the Dodgers and maybe that's what's encouraging me a little bit too again not not really a huge fantasy move here at all just bringing him up holds strengthens leagues. that bullpen holds leagues for sure because lefties can come in they get that even loogies can come in get that one out and it can be a hold so definitely holds leagues um he was never a huge strikeout guy, even at his best, 9.4 in that all-star season for Tony Watson. So even if he gets all the way back to to being really good, uh, you really are looking for ratios and holds. So keep that in mind with, with Tony Watson. Let's move on. Chris Tillman back to Baltimore. Let's keep moving on. Kobe Rasmus <laughs> also to Baltimore. Ooh, uh, let's keep moving on comes out of semi-retirement. Here's the thing. I, I'm not going to let you just fully move on on this because – Every year they get some rando, and they and Baltimore does, and they end up hitting twenty five plus homers. Rasmus could be that guy. Mark my words. All, all this does is screw Austin Hayes. It sure does. Suck at Austin Hayes. <laughs> you know, which I mean, I'm not against Austin Hayes, but it is a total, it's a total uh, uh, blockage on him. At least until you know. Rasmus either you know doesn't I think he was a non-roster invitee so he's not necessarily yeah. guaranteed anything there but um, it does put put the brakes on that hey if you're an Austin Hayes believer you should actually be applauding this this lowers yes. his price this is the time to go buy Austin Hayes if someone is getting pissed off if they invested in him early or if you've got a draft still like his ADP should plummet a little bit uh, with this news I mean I just you know, I, I, I don't think the upside on a guy like Colby Rasmus is that great. So, I'm, you know, I think they just need another left-handed bat, and they didn't want to spend yeah, much money. I thought Dickerson would have been a move for them, but again, this is a much cheaper version of that. Uh, if we were going to give Gerard Dyson his own bullet point here, I probably should have given Cameron Maben one too. Um, but uh, to be honest, it was uh, it was because I kind of forgot about him, and when I saw the Rasmus news on the little small transaction list, I saw Maben there, so that's why I slotted him in. Um, he's he's more important than the rest of the guys on this list because he's very much like a Gerard Dyson, where he's probably not going to play a ton, but he can give you the steals. In fact, he plays more than Gerard Dyson regularly. If his health allows, he had 450 plate appearances last year, 10 homers, 33 stolen bases, but it was with a 228, 318, 365 triple slash woof. But he goes out to Miami, playing time is his as much as the body can handle. It's kind of a, it's kind of a very poor man's Carlos <laughs> Gomez here. What do you think of Cameron Maben out in Miami? All right. I, I don't know if you have the roster resource page open right now, but if you I do, and I'm, I'm vomiting, hang on yeah, okay. my mic while I vomit. Uh, I'll, then I'll, I'll ask the question to the listeners. Uh, who is their scheduled or, or projected opening day right fielder and left fielder? Give you a second yeah. to think about it. It is amazing martin prado and derek dietrich so I, like this is <laughs> this is with really cool, really bad cool jt riddle as the shortstop mm-hmm. who exactly Actually, I, I do know the name but yeah he's not uh, it's so bad that maven is expected to lead off though and so again if his body can hold up and get you another 450 plate appearances it's going to be at the top of a lineup and volume matters so again and only you got to be paying attention you got to be interested in this and even mixed leagues because of the speed is at least a reserve guy and you, and you kind of you kind of feel it out because he hit 315 the year before uh in detroit 267 the year before that bottom line is 228 is an outlier for Cameron maybe this is not the expectation so i do think that this is like i said a more viable move than than i gave it credit for by accidentally putting it on this uh quick hitter piece 
but it's also not a, a a game changer because I'm just not effing with Miami at all this year. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for cheap speed and NL only, I think Mabin is a guy that uh, could fit the bill. Even more interesting than that, though, is obviously this is a misprint, but currently uh, Roster Resource has them as playing two right fielders and no third baseman. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be like the perfect Miami thing to do. Like, yeah. listen, we're just going to add a you know a fourth outfielder. We're going to play slow pitch softball defense, um, and just face a lot of left handers this yeah, year. We really want to get that covered. We're leaving third base open. Obviously, Martin Prado can't cover right field, so we're going to put Lewis Brinson out there at the same time. But why don't you just put Prado at third? No, 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 no. Please don't no, tell yeah. us how to run our team. Yeah. We're going to have Prado we're innovators here. That is hilarious. Yeah, so it looks like Prado will probably play third base. Brinson will be out in right, um, at least at some point, if, if they don't start the year with him and keep him down for a little I, while. They're, they're going to keep him down. And, and, we could and get a couple weeks of Prado in right then. Yeah, and, the, and then you're looking at uh, Miguel, Miguel Rojas. Rojas. Yeah. So, or you, yeah. listener. It could be you. You could play third base for the, for the Marlins. I played because, third base for my slopish softball team. I think we just found their new third baseman, Justin Mason. League, league, league minimum salary, I'll take it. $500,000 right now. In. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last one, you alluded to this, Forrest Whitley, suspended, 50 games. Performance enhancing or uh, substance abuse? It it sounds like it is. he was hanging out with John Singleton. Like it sounds like he was smoking weed. Yeah, it doesn't say, it doesn't say PEDs. So, yeah, yeah, it's probably weed. Which is... One just, I mean, so effing it's stupid. it's so dumb. I mean, of the league, not uh, yes, yes, of the league. Too, it, you you are responsible for what you do. I'm not. I'm not saying just because, uh, you you know, I don't, I, I don't have a, a super negative outlook on weed that be, because I feel that way that it should be legal. It is illegal, um, in most states, and it is illegal to take uh, if you're a baseball player. So you have to be responsible for yourself. I'm saying the rule is stupid. The rule is dumb. And the, for those who don't understand, if you were on the forty-five or the forty-man or the twenty-five-man roster, you were not tested for marijuana. Wouldn't even matter. Jeremy and, Jeffress got protected mm-hmm. um, from himself uh, at, at one point. I think it was with KC or Milwaukee. I can't remember which. Basically, just put on the forty-man because he kept getting caught for weed, and yeah. they're like, you know what? We we want you to stop, and you can keep smoking weed. Now you're on the forty-man. It, it's, it's just so. It's dumb. a bit surprising that. We're not seeing uh, Houston do this and go and protect him. I mean, he is their top pitching prospect. He is virtually ready. You almost wonder if this was one of the reasons why the Garrett Cole trade may have happened. Because Because they they might have known this. A lot of times teams know this this stuff's coming down weeks, a month. Because there's appeals and nothing is announced until appeals happen. And so they may have known this this was going to happen and this may have been like, okay, well, we're not going to have Whitley for, for, you know, a third of the season. Then he needs time to get his innings up and, you know, and refine things at the triple a level. So maybe we do need to go and get a Garrett Cole right now. Um, you know, this is the time to buy on him. I, I'm totally buying if I'm in a, if I'm in a dynasty league or a keeper league and, you know, and, and I can use the spot because his, his value will never be lower than it is right now. Yes, he would say be careful about pitching prospects in dynasty leagues until their value is tanked by something like this. He's a top 10 overall prospect who now gets a value hit. When he's at the peak of his value, you want to run because it's it's too expensive. But now when uh, when something goes awry, and again, 
by his own stupid decision, whether we whether we think he should be in trouble for it or not, you still have to be responsible to uh, the rules of 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 what you're involved in, which in this case is minor league baseball. And they say you can't smoke weed, and that's what we think it is. It it it, it could be something. Um, we assume uh, that news would have come out about it being PEDs if he was suspended for yes. PEDs. So, I mean, we and ass- for some reason, maybe I'm wrong, but I also feel like I feel like we would get more information if it was like coke too i I just think weed is almost like eh. yeah i mean it feels like and we don't know we're we're obviously speculating but yes yes i mean they obviously yeah it just seems like i mean they also lost john singleton for i think the whole year here we go i've got some information i didn't see this um chuck mckittinick mckittinick mike tinak that's his last name i'm gonna focus we're gonna spend the next 10 minutes pronouncing this name Am I kidding? No, I'm kidding. Uh, but a Fox San Antonio on a, uh, says a source told him that Whitley took an unknown stimulant to help keep him awake on a drive. So he took Adderall? Potentially. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, as... Uh, Vyvanse? For me, it depends on, you know, it obviously depends on what the drug is and... Uh, stimulants like that don't stay in your system very long so unless he tested positive like right after taking it within a day or two if you're not a chronic user it shouldn't stay in your system for more than a day or two yes or was a chronic user and Mm -hmm. used the the keep him awake thing Mm -hmm. as a little bit of so maybe this is you know a bigger issue than we're making it out to be or maybe you know maybe it is a one-time thing you know with without knowing when he but supposedly again, took it and when he was tested, it's hard for me, and without seeing the levels personally, absolutely, it's, it's hard for me to you know say anything uh, other than uh, that is definitely a bigger red flag than just marijuana. But even this is another thing that if he was in the league, he could get a TUE therapeutic use exemption if it was something where he's taking Adderall regularly and so he had so much that he tested positive and again used the the drive thing as an excuse. Now that stuff's dangerous too. So if he is taking it basically but super common for kids his age absolutely it's it is like the thing um so yeah there's it's more to it than this and this was a source we don't know it's 100 percent, but it, it probably isn't weed so maybe we, we spoke out of turn there uh on an assumption if more details come out we can talk about it but for now he suspended 50 games uh forrest whitley top prospect for the uh, houston astros you can buy uh, try to get him on on the cheap right now is probably the best time to buy. Hopefully, if it is a situation where he you know is addicted to this and 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 using one of these stimulants too often, that he gets himself right because that stuff can be very dangerous, especially if you're taking it uh, without needing it. If you don't have ADD or or, or uh, an actual use for it, and you're taking it just because you want to binge Call of Duty for eight hours at a time, then uh, that would be bad. Yeah, I just I, it's hard for me to buy the whole. He was driving. Oh, he was driving late at night. Type thing like that. And Justin to me, knows this stuff, by the way. For those yeah. of you that missed the pitching potty, um, you are in substance. First off, you are a recovered addict, um, and you work with folks like this. So this is your field of expertise. This is not speaking out of turn when it comes to knowing thought processes and and uh, behaviors behind this sort of stuff. Yeah, this. I mean, this wouldn't be something I would think someone would take. On a first-time use while driving, like because you wouldn't know how you're going to react to. Yeah, it. exactly. Like, why not just load up on Red Bull? Yeah. So, 
I mean, drink 52 RBs, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I never want to call anybody an addict or something or saying someone has a problem until they've said it first. Mm -hmm. But this this is one of those things, just like the Danny Duffy situation we talked about uh, on the pitching pod. uh, It's something to kind of kind of store away as a red flag. Um, That being said, I'm still buying the talent. Yes. And, and, you know, again, this could just be a, a lapse in judgment. Where he did try some stuff out that he thought, hey, everyone's using it. I want to try it out. I'm taking this long drive as well. Oh, my God, did I really get tested? The, like the, it, it could still be this not super plausible but potential answer as well. So just keep that in mind, Forrest Whitley. Um, and if you are in a dynasty league and someone's selling him cheaper, go ahead and jump in. Justin, that's going to wrap us up. Um we did one this week because we went so ham last week. I figured we could we could breathe a little bit, but starting yeah, this next is our week, shortest pod ever. It really is. But starting next week, we will be on at least two per week, minimum of two per week, um, and we're going to have a guest. It will it will be either I, I'll, I'll just say I'll just say the two. It could be it will either be Joe Pisapia or Vlad Sedler, whoever has their schedule available, and then the next guy will be the next week. Whichever one you don't get next week, you get the week after. So they're both coming. It's just a matter of when. And like I said, Justin, I am amped. Tomorrow is the first official day of spring training in terms of MLB team versus MLB team. And we are finally ramping up. Time to get excited. I hope you feel better. And we'll talk next week. 